Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Megan McMillan, a registered dietitian and owner of Mama and Sweet Pea Nutrition. She provides nutrition and breastfeeding guidance during pregnancy, after birth, and during the first years of baby's life. Please enjoy my conversation with Megan. Okay, very good. I'm excited to talk to you because you're going to be my first, uh, one of my first certified lactation consultants. I haven't had... I just don't feel like there's a lot of, I don't know if that's not, there's not a big presence of you in the dietitian arena, or I just haven't came across anybody, but you're kind of my first one. So I'm excited to learn about you and um, how you got to this point in your career. So why don't you first take me back though, to when dietetics kind of came on your radar or when you became interested in the field? Sure. So Dietetics came um, onto my radar back in, it's actually a second career for me. So I was first in the hospitality industry. I was in um, restaurant management and catering sales. um, And it was a, when was it? Uh, 2008. You know, when the economy kind of took a dive, mm-hmm. um, the hospitality industry kind of went with it. And um, so work was not great at that time. Um, I had a lot of colleagues, colleagues get laid off. Um, I was worried mm-hmm. I was going to get laid off. Um, and around that same time, I was kind of going through a personal health journey of my own. Um, and I had really kind of um, started to rethink how I was eating, why I was eating, all of that sort of stuff and kind of changed my nutrition. And people started asking me, you know, what what are you doing? What are you eating? You seem healthier. You seem like you feel happier. And um, I really liked talking about it. I liked talking to them about it, about what I was doing, what I was eating, how I felt. and. I was, I I was so oblivious. I had no idea. I was like, Oh, I wonder if there's a career where you can do this. (laughs) And so sure enough, you know, I just Googled it and, um, I found out that the, one of the universities local to me had a really great program. And, you know, I was at that point where I was like this, there's really low morale where I'm at and I'm kind of don't really have job security right now. And it's not really bringing me joy. So let's look into this. So I went back to school become a dietitian. Wow. Yeah. I was, I was just going to ask, like, since you're in the hospitality business, if you were working for like Sodexo or something like that, that has like a connection to dietetics, but apparently not. No, I wasn't. But I actually did work for Sodexo and Aramark afterwards, but not, um, okay. not originally. I didn't start there and then kind of work my way into dietetics. No, I was working for, um, I was working for a pretty big restaurant company that's local to Chicago and is now pretty national. Um, and then I was also working for one of the major hotel chains too. So, Gotcha. Gotcha. So I'm hoping that you're excited about the career change. Like that is kind of more your passion than your original career. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny how the way things kind of work, because when I was younger, um, 
you know, I, I always kind of had this, uh, I don't know what the right word is, pull or draw towards like maternal and child health. And even though I really, at the time, like in high school and such, didn't ever picture myself going into healthcare, I, it was just still something I was really interested in. It was something I was really passionate about. Um, and so it just was funny that I, I didn't initially do that. And now full circle, you know, We're 25 years later, <laughs> I'm, I'm back there. Yeah. Was it so. hard going back to school um, to start all over and do dietetics for you? Definitely. Yes, it was because I actually was one of those people that swore I would never go back to school. <laughs> um, so I ended up going back and getting a master's uh, just because it made the most sense. If I was going to go back, why not get the additional sure. degree instead of a second bachelor's? So, um, but it was, it was definitely difficult to go back. Um, I think the hard part initially is is that you're not working. And so you don't have any money. <laughs> yeah, That's a big part <laughs> yeah, to go from being, you know, to having a career, then to go back to kind of living that student lifestyle is, is a challenge. It's, it's a big transition, I think. Sure. And then do, and then like doing an unpaid internship too. Like, Absolutely. that is just like, whoa, <laughs> you're yes. like, I'm paying for this. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was an eye opener. <laughs> yes. And people don't understand that. I think it's funny because I actually, I mean, I would say dietetics was kind of my second-ish career, but they don't understand that you're not getting paid for your internship. They're like, what? How do you not get paid for an internship? And it's like, right. yeah, that exists. <laughs> no, and, and in fact, you're paying them because you're, you're right. paying, it's part of your tuition, technically. It's considered so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were all jealous, though, I remember of there was one or two who got internships at the VA and the VA internships were paid. And so oh. I remember being very jealous of some of my classmates who landed those. Yeah. Yeah. I would be very jealous too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when you woke up with your internship and what, what, what was the first kind of thing that you were drawn to when it came to your career? Um, you know, I, I, I always wanted to do peds, I think was what I really, really wanted to do. I, you know, I, we, I was part of, in a coordinated program, so we, okay. um, we didn't have to look for our internships. Our internships were set up for us by our program, which was really, really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I really wanted to do, um, an internship with WIC um, there was a, there's a really big, well, there's several really big, um, children's hospitals here in Chicago that I, I wanted, um, and I didn't get them. So I was really disappointed because I actually Aww. did. Yeah. But what I did, I did get, um, a really great peds, uh, pediatric rotation at the hospital I ended up at, including like the PICU. And I really wanted NICU experience and they didn't offer it at the time. Um, they just felt like it was too much, too confusing. There was too many protocols, all, all sorts of stuff. And I begged and begged and begged for that internship. And I did get like two days in the NICU. So, <laughs> but Aww. yeah, well, at least better than none. <laughs> it was, it was better than none. Yes. And so how was the, like, I guess when I think about the job prospects as a very special, like when it comes to like pediatrics and NICU and 
that type of stuff. I feel like you really need to know your stuff when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. And I don't really, do you ever, I mean, like when you think about the job opportunities, you don't really ever see pediatric dietitian, very rarely you do see that every once in a while or NICU diet, because NICU is definitely a lot more specialized. But when you were looking mm-hmm. for jobs, was there a lot of those kind of things available for you? No, no, not at all. Honestly, um, they're pretty coveted jobs too. Mm-hmm. So if you get them, um, they tend to hold on to them. So it's rare to see an opening. Um, so I, I ended up just in general, you know, adult population doing gen med and things like that. Um, and my first, very first boss for, for my very first job knew that that was ultimately like what I wanted to do. And we both eventually left that job. And about a year later, she hired me at another job. Um, and within a few months, there was a position open in the NICU. And so she put me in it. So awesome. I was just very fortunate. <laughs> yeah. I was very fortunate to kind of be in the right place at the right time and to have a boss who, you know, respected what I wanted to do and knew what my passion was. And and so um, it was great. It was great. But it, it was I was pretty lucky. And then even then I had to do. I did a lot of learning on the job. Um, I did a lot of extra, you know, continuing education and reading a lot of books. And I was also very fortunate to have a really great mentor um, in the NICU at that hospital already. So she she really kind of taught me the ropes. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because I think about, well, my first job was in clinical and we had a NICU and there was just an opening and they just put one of us dietitians that were working in there. They're like, anybody interested? And we had one that was like, yeah, I guess I'll try it. but. (laughs) <laughs> they had they had just opened it. They had no one that had worked in there before. And so, right. yeah, like, so kind of the same situation. She had to do what you did, you know, read books. Mm-hmm. And she went to an education program at Baylor Medical School. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, and then when she was on maternity leave, covering for you specialized NICU dietitians is awful because we don't know what's going on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard. We we had that same problem too. So when I was working in the NICU, we the two of us job shared. So I worked four days a week and she worked three days a week. And um, you know, if we ever both happened to need, you know, or couldn't cover each other or somebody was on vacation and one of the other dietitians had to fill in, it was um it was a it was a struggle. It's <laughs> yeah, it's dicey. Yeah. <laughs> it's dicey, exactly. Yes, yeah. Well, I definitely appreciate NICU dietitians because you ladies and gents really need to know your stuff when it comes to those little bodies because it is so specialized and so um, intricate. Just the little tweaks and things that you have to do for their nutrition is just outstanding. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely different. I, I think, you know... I think the numbers are really different because I don't know if a lot of people realize that a lot of what clinical dietitians do, if you're working in a hospital, you do a lot of math, especially if you know you're calculating tube feedings and things like that. So you do a lot of math. So the math is very different when you're talking about NICU, you know, premature babies versus adults, you know, full grown adults. It's that's very different when you're calculating feedings and even just we talk about we in the NICU, they still use, you know, grams and kilograms, which is not something that. Mm-hmm. the adult population really thinks about. Um, so it it is different. It's like a whole nother language almost. 
It is. It is. But you loved it. You like felt like it, you were totally in your element. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely. And you know, I, I still miss, even though I don't work in the NICU anymore, I I miss it. I definitely miss it. And if I were to go back to a clinical setting, if I were to go back to work, go back to work in a hospital, I would definitely go back to the NICU. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. So how long did you work in NICU then? Um, Almost five years. Okay. Did you experience any burnout where was it? I mean, like how, I guess I feel like it's it's an intense kind of job. And I think a lot of people kind of get burned out in that area, anything intensive care. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about burnout rates with NICU dietitians? Um, I definitely think there's a burnout factor there. I think it was really helpful that I was in a job share position and I wasn't working technically Mm -hmm. full time. Um, It's a really emotional setting. Obviously, I'm sure you Mm -hmm. can imagine um, there's really bad days in there and then there's really great days in there. So there's a lot of ups and downs and, um, you know, you have a lot of interaction with the families and especially the nurses who are caring for these babies day in and day out become really, really attached and really, really involved. Mm-hmm. And so there's definitely a big burnout factor. Um, but I will say I felt very fortunate to be working in a NICU that had for the most part, really, really positive outcomes. Um, so that was helpful. That does you know, help. Yeah. It, yeah. How many? How many yeah, it was. How many was beds? A great place to work. How many beds? What's your name? Um, so we had capacity for 50, um, wow. for 50 babies. And I think the most in the, you know, almost five years that I was there, I think the highest our census ever got was maybe like 42 or 43. Um, that's a lot of crazy. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, that's very, very busy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially when there's really only one dietitian. Right. Right. You know, we were, like I said, we were job sharing. So it was, there was one day a week where we were both there because it was so busy, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, it was just one of us covering. And so that's, that's a lot. That is a lot. Wow. Mm -hmm. So what was your next steps after your NICU? Well, while I was still working in the NICU, I was earning my hours, my clinical hours to be able to sit for the um, lactation consultant IBCLC board exam, um, because that was something, you know, again, going back even into my childhood, it it was something I was very aware of. It was kind of, I was raised in a house where, you know, my mom breastfed all five of us kids. My mom was actually a member of the LaLeche League. And um, so it was just things that I... It was something that I was very familiar with. I, you know, mm-hmm. everybody in my family breastfed. So I was very comfortable with it. I was very knowledgeable of it, aware of it. Um, and so I knew, I knew again, in while I was in school for dietetics, that, you know, going into the pediatric and maternal and child health kind of arena that I wanted to pursue lactation as well. So while I was in the NICU, I was able to earn my clinical hours that I needed to sit for the board exam. And so... I did that. And then um, I decided that I was going to start my own private practice um, and and leave the clinical setting, which was a very difficult decision to make for me. But um, I was really, really excited about being able to do things on my own and mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, practice nutrition and help mom and baby mamas and babies in the way that I wanted to <laughs> and without having any type of restrictions, I guess is the right word. I mean, 
you know, not that okay. I am totally going rogue, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's obviously when you work in a hospital setting, there's certain policies and procedures and, and things that yeah. are, you have to abide by. And, you know, sometimes I felt like those weren't necessarily the policies and procedures that I would have put into place. And so, um, it, you know, it, I was kind of getting to a point where I felt like it was a little bit of a challenge to be true to myself and work in that setting. And so, um, I decided to pursue private practice. And so that's what I've been doing now. That's, I think that's great though. Like you saying, you know, yes, there's, you enjoy this part of your job, but there's a different way that you would enjoy it more if you could practice the way you, you like. And mm-hmm. that says a lot about making a decision like for yourself, for your passion, for how you want to execute it. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying, oh, well, I like this concept, but I like my way of doing it a little bit better. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's, again, it's a totally different setting when you're in a critical care unit versus what, then what happens when these moms and these babies go home? That's kind of how I felt too. Like there's, there was only so much I could actually do in that setting. And, and again, what I was doing, I loved, and I, you know, it really was, I don't, I was passionate about that as well, but I just kind of felt like there was something more or something different that I was going to be better suited to do. And so that's why I made that decision. And it was a very, like I said, it was a very difficult decision to make. And, and again, if I had to go back to clinical, I would absolutely go back to the NICU. Mm-hmm. When you took your test, is it so? Is it hard for anyone that maybe be interested in this? Mm-hmm. The like the clinical hours that you need to get, which are contact hours, which mm-hmm. I'm assuming is in person and and with experience. And then I'm assuming kind of similar to an internship, like you get those contact hours, and then you do like your RD exam, and it's not easy. <laughs> right. Yes. So there's a couple of different. Um, uh, titles for lactation. There's there's a couple of different routes that you can go to become a lactation professional, if you will. Um, the International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, so that's the IBCLC um, certification. That's kind of considered the gold standard. Um, and so, in order to obtain that, you have to um, have a health background. Now, that doesn't mean you have to have a degree in health. Um, like most IBCLCs are nurses. The majority of them are, are registered nurses, but there's some that are speech pathologists. There's some that are dietitians. There's some that are doctors. Um, but oh. there are also some who don't have a health degree. And if that's the case, then you have to take a certain amount of um, college level health courses. Um, I believe it's okay. 14 credit hours or not. I'm sorry, not credit hours, 14 classes. Um, specific okay. classes, you know, like biology and uh, anatomy and physiology and, and sure. a few others. Once you have that, then you need 90 hours of lactation specific continuing education. And then you need the thousand hour, thousand hours of clinical hands on practice. And then you can sit for okay. the exam. <laughs> That's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And so I don't think people realize that. Like it, it's a lot more than any other breastfeeding kind of certification. So before I became an IBCLC, I was what's called a CLC, which is a certified 
lactation counselor. And to become that, I had to go to a five-day class and take a test. And so that's what I did. And I'm not okay. knocking that at all because I think it it's very useful and it serves a purpose. But there's a very different scope of practice between the CLC and the IBCLC or there's other designations like I've, um, there's the CLEC, the C-L-E-C, which is a certified lactation education counselor, I think. Um, okay. Yeah, it's kind of confusing and it, and it becomes very, it yeah. becomes very muddled actually when moms are trying to find help and support um, because there's a lot of these other kind of certifications out there that aren't the, like I said, the gold standard IBCLC. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not knocking those because there's a lot of women in those fields and men fields with those certifications that are doing really good, helpful work. But the scope of practice is very different. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good to know. That's good to know, though. I, I'm not mm-hmm. familiar with any of that stuff. So that's very good to know. Um, so when you were developing mm-hmm. your practice, what was kind of your, what did you have in mind for your patients and your clients when you created your private practice? Huh, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, no, I just, I guess I've never been asked that or I've never really thought about like what I had in mind for them. Um, you know, I wanted just a place where I, I wanted to be able to talk to moms like another mom honestly that's i wanted to be like a real person um i didn't want to be in like a medical person um you know i wanted a place where moms could be very honest with me um where we could where i could provide just honest real life practical guidance that wasn't going to be overwhelming that wasn't going to be scary um, that wasn't going to cause them to feel guilt, um, or shame or judged in any way, shape or form. Like that's really what I wanted. I wanted to just be able to meet moms where they were at and help them achieve whatever their goals Mm -hmm. were instead of kind of imposing my own ideas and my own goals onto them. Um, that's, that's really what my goal was because I felt like I saw some of that in the clinical setting. And, um, you know, again, that was part of the reason why I decided to to leave. So gotcha. I just felt I felt like there was another way to approach new moms. Sure. Well, and probably while they're in the hospital. I mean, yes, there is that necessity for that initial, you know, consultation and discussion. And then I feel like more of it would be more, much more valuable at home while they're actually in it, you know, living it every day. Right. Right. Yes, definitely. Cause it's, it is, it's very different. Um, you know, and oh my gosh, I, I, Nikki moms are amazing that, you know, what they go through every day is, is very, very challenging. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I saw it, but I, you know, thankfully I'm so fortunate that I never had to really live it with my own kids because it's, it's, it's a really, really challenging situation to be separated from your brand new baby. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't imagine having a baby and then leaving the hospital without them. Yes. Oh and my so, and, yeah. And day in and day out, they would, you know, come in and then stay all day. And a lot of them were pumping for yeah. um, pumping milk for the babies. And then, and then they had to leave and go home. 
And then they turned around and did the same thing the next day, you know? So it's just, there's only so much you can do in that setting, like you said. And then, and then it's a, it's a whole nother beast when they, you know, finally get to bring their baby home, which is amazing and incredible, but it's, it's different. It's different. So there's this whole another adjustment period that they have to go through and kind of getting to know each other in their home setting. And so I do think that there is a really important place for a dietitian or a lactation consultant to come in and, and help them kind of adjust to this new way of living. And you're both of them. You're a dietitian. Yes. And <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So is your practice, so tell me more about your practice. Is it um, virtual? Is it in person? How do you kind of, is it both? What's just, what do you mostly do with your practice? It's both. So I do do both in person and virtual. Um, obviously, it just depends on where my client's located. If they're, if they're in the area, I will absolutely do in person. If they prefer virtual, I'll do that too. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say the majority of my consults are done virtually. Um, okay. How does that work? I'm very intrigued by that because, I mean, I think that that's a great option just because, you know, most of us don't have enough time for anything anymore. So being able to do it from your home at, you know, virtually sounds pretty awesome. So how does that work for you? Yeah, it's great. I think it's especially great for moms because especially if they're a new mom and they have a little baby at home, then they don't have to go out into this cold weather. They don't have to (laughs) try to... Yeah, they don't have to try to, you know, arrange childcare or, you know, they don't have to worry about their house being a mess. Like none of that is, is an issue or or scheduling around nap times and things like that. So, um, it works really well. It's very convenient. And I think especially for the population that I work with, it's, they appreciate that having that option. Um, I will say there. There's definitely times, especially if it's more of a strictly lactation client, um, where virtual won't work because I have to really be in person to see kind of what's going on, whether it's mm-hmm. an issue with the baby latching or, you know, if mom is having an issue with her breasts, or like if there's, you know, mastitis or nipple damage or anything like that, that really needs more of like an in-person um, consultation because it's, it's really just something you can't do virtually. So sure. Yeah. That makes sense. So you kind of cover everything. Do you cover um, um, pregnancy, pre-pregnancy, post-pregnant? I mean, are you across the whole spectrum for your patients? So I do mostly. Um, yes. I don't really do a whole lot of pre-pregnancy, um, mostly prenatal and then postpartum. And even into, you know, I do see, um, I do take clients on that it's specifically pediatrics, usually up to about the age of five um, or so. I don't okay. really go into older kids. Um, so, I, you know, I do a lot of um, introduction of solids and first foods and baby led weaning and a lot of picky eating. Um, food allergies is another big area that I cover. Um, both my kids have food allergies. And so I'm very familiar oh. with it as well as, um, I've, I help a lot of women who have to eliminate things in their diet when they're breastfeeding, if their baby is showing signs of intolerance. So that's another a big oh, okay. service that I provide. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And there's probably more and more of that. I just feel like that's more, that is something that's more across the board anymore is just 
the food allergies and what things are triggering people and babies and kids and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it is. It's it, that's a whole nother, you know, we could talk about that for hours for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to have a part too. Yeah, it's, it, it is really intriguing to me again, just being in that profession, but then also living it every day. It's really interesting. Um, I don't have any answers as to um, why it seems so more, so much more prevalent nowadays. I wish I knew. Um, I mean, we have yeah. a bunch of theories, but again, they're just theories and, and nothing is a direct yeah. cause and effect. So like anytime I tell people, my kids have food allergies, they're like, Oh, do you have food allergies? And I say, no. Oh, well, does your husband? No. <laughs> so, and, and then I, I tell them they actually had, none of the classic, what we consider the classic risk factors for food allergies. My kids had none of them. So interesting. Yeah. How many children do you have? I have two. I, well, I have two that I birthed and then I, I have two step kids as well. So okay. you have a yeah. big family. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're spread out across the ages. So my step kids are both in high school and then my littles are um, five and three. So we, we joke that we have like, you know, teens and toddlers or <laughs> you do <laughs> high schoolers and preschoolers. And yeah, it's, it keeps fun. you on your toes. It does. It I does. bet it is. It probably is kind of fun. Yeah. There's so which two, have the food, which two have the food allergies then? My two, the little ones do. Yeah. Little ones. Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. Mm hmm. So where does the practice, where do you see your practice kind of going? Are you, you know, is it a full-time, are you kind of full-time practicing? Are you part-time practicing? Um, right now I would say I'm more part-time. Um, it's really, I, I don't ever even really think about it like that because it kind of just ebbs and flows. You know, I, yeah, some weeks I am definitely putting in 40 hours and other weeks, maybe I'm only putting in 10. So it kind of ebbs and flows. I would say it's probably more of a part-time practice at this point because I do have little kids. And that was, uh, again, another part of the reason why I wanted to start my own business was so that I had more flexibility um, mm -hmm. and more time with my kids. And so I'm really trying to remember that and take advantage of that instead of working all the time. Um, but I definitely see it growing over the next um, couple years as they get a little bit older and then they're both in school. Um, I definitely mm -hmm. do think it would become more of a full-time practice. I also do um, some freelance writing and some public speaking. And so that's something I also really enjoy because I just like talking about this um, topic. I like communicating and educating on it. So, um, you know, that takes up some time as well. I'm, I'm sure people seek you out because I just feel like this is a whole not a, it's not a new place for dietitians, but I feel like it's definitely a place where dietitians could be more present. And so I feel like you are probably one of the few that I've encountered that have the double, the double duo <laughs> of being a dietitian and a lactation consultant that, you know, has that expertise and, and can be a resource for your community. Yeah, it's, it's great. I love having both, to be honest with you. I, it's just, um, I do feel like I can really offer something to moms and other healthcare professionals as well. Like it, it's just, it's the two do go hand in hand too. I, I, I'm surprised how many other, um, 
you know, RDs who work in the, you know, with infants or moms don't pursue it. Um, there are a good handful of us out there, but it's definitely not common. I'm always, when I, um, when I'm talking with other IBCLCs, they're always like, oh my gosh, you're a dietitian too. That's great. You know, they, they are always surprised um, because it is somewhat mm -hmm. rare, but there's definitely others out there. And we, we, we are a very close knit group. <laughs> I yeah. bet you are. Well, this is your PSA to other dietitians working in this area that they should definitely consider pursuing. Absolutely. It. I, I think it's, I think it's really valuable, especially if you're working in the NICU setting. I think it's absolutely something they should pursue because, um, you know, it's only going to make your job, I think, easier. Um, and it's going to make your position much more valuable. Um, you know, you can be a great resource for your unit, for the other dietitians, the other um, healthcare professionals that you're interacting with. Again, the speech therapists and the physical therapists and the nurses and the docs, mm -hmm. too. I think it's just really, um, really, really beneficial. Well, I, I do enjoy... Um and I was looking at your website the other day, but your Instagram, I love how you share a lot of great information too. And I will connect both your um, social media and your website in the show notes. So if people are interested in connecting with you or just kind of seeing what you're up to, because um, you do share some great tidbits. You share some great personal stuff too, <laughs> but I do like how you share information because it's like a place that I know nothing about. So I think it's good for me too to always... Even if I don't see kids or see moms, at least it gives me some information if that would ever come up. Yeah, that's that's great. I do. I yes, I I actually love Instagram. I know a lot of people hate it um, <laughs> or just, you know, are afraid of social media in general. But I appreciate that it's just another platform to share information and communicate. And so yeah. I really I, I like doing that again. That's just something that I feel a need to share the information. And so it's just another way to do that. Well, Thank you're you. great at it, my dear. So keep it up. Yes. Well, I've, I'm glad I got to have a conversation with you about what you're doing. And maybe we should do a part two on food allergies because I feel like that's a place that I need some more education in and just what you've learned and someone who's had the experience with it. But and that's always yes, ever is. evolving. So maybe we'll sure, have to do that'd be awesome. Yeah. Changes all the time. Yeah. Well, I have okay, some hard I'm questions ready. for you. Are you ready for that? <laughs> share with me some foods that you enjoy okay i i mean i love food obviously i think most dietitians love food um yes it's for sure so sushi <laughs> is up there for sure one of my favorite things to eat is sushi um pizza of course i live in chicago you know i love a good chicago deep dish pizza <laughs> um kind of random mashed potatoes i love mashed potatoes especially if they're homemade Mm. Good answer. Um, That's a good answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I could name a million more things, but those three right. things, and then chocolate, chocolate for sure. Chocolate. Are you born yeah. and raised in Chicago? Yes, the suburbs yeah. technically, but yes. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So pizza is part of your like ancestry. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Uh, share with me some beverages that you enjoy. Um, coffee, coffee, and coffee. <laughs> I saw your coffee on your Instagram this morning. I'm like, she just plays a song and shows her coffee. I love it. Yes. 
Um, no, but it, in all seriousness, I, I do love coffee. Um, but I, I drink lots of water and I love a good glass of red wine as well. So you have balance, right? I do. I do have balance. Yes. Um, share with me a scent or smells that you enjoy. Okay. So I love the smell of coffee. I know that sounds, I mean, it I, smells I drink a good. lot of coffee, but I love the smell of coffee too. Um, and then anything, um, I love citrus too. So just, you know, lemon, orange. I love that smell as well. Um, it's citrus season. It's your, it's it your is. time. Girl. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I am really sensitive actually to smells. Um, like I can't handle, I don't like any type of perfume or air freshener or laundry detergent. Even I just, I, it, it really, I can't handle it. So I'm not really you big into that sort of stuff. Setup. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Coffee and citrus. Yeah. There <laughs> you go. Food, food based smells. <laughs> yeah. Um, share with me some things that you like to listen to, like podcasts, or do you like music? What kind of things do you like to listen to? Um, both. Definitely. I love both podcasts and music. I am I am a music junkie for sure. And my Are you? yes, yes. And my um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I I will listen to pretty much anything. Pretty much anything. Yeah. Um, Do you have a favorite like band or group or type of music? Um, you know, I love like 90s hip hop. Um, yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. It is good stuff. <laughs> and it's either that or I, I love like some good like kind of feminist women folk music too. So yeah. I, I, empowering. Yes. Yeah. I go kind of all over the place, but I'm a big Beatles fan. I, you know, I love Lizzo. I, I mean, anything. I love Lizzo. Like I want to, I just want to meet her in person and just stare at her and tell her how much I love her. I want to like go out with her. I want to like go get a drink and go to the club. (laughs) Do you follow her on on Instagram? I do. I do. Yeah. She's so great. Oh my gosh. She's so great. (laughs) I said that like I'm 21 still. I am not. I, probably would not go out to the club with her. I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> you might make one exception if that would happen. Oh, yes, I would. For one night, really, to do that? Yes, I definitely would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was, wasn't she just in Chicago? She was in Chicago not that long ago. Um, I don't know, actually. You might be right. I think I don't in remember. October. Okay. Yeah. Because I was there for a conference and I was leaving... Um, I was, I saw that she was there, but I was leaving that day before she was going to perform. So I was like, oh man, I would have tried to go. Oh, that would have been fun. I don't remember that. I don't, I, maybe I totally missed that. You missed yeah. it. <laughs> um, and then share with me what brings you joy, Megan. Oh, what brings me joy? My family for sure brings me joy. My kids, um, they make me laugh. They're so gosh darn funny. I mean, little kids are just crazy. And so I mean, my family definitely <laughs> brings me joy, but my job brings me a lot of joy. I really, really love what I do. I love being able to help moms and babies and just that kind of, especially new moms and babies. And they just kind of look at you and they're like, oh, you mean I'm doing this right? You know, like, this is okay. And that, that really brings me joy. I just, I love that feeling of being able to just tell a mom like, yeah, you're doing great. You know, this is, 
this is exactly what's supposed to be happening right now. You know what you're doing. Trust your instinct. Like that feeling when they kind of look back at me and like, oh, I'm doing it. You know, like that's just I that that's why I do what I do. You're like their cheerleader. You're like, yep, we're all. <laughs> you have yeah, to absolutely. You have to tell me the names of your kiddos. Um. So so my the big kids, uh, Billy is seventeen. Annie is almost 16. She'll be 16 in April. Um, oh. Hannah is five. She's in kindergarten. And then Dylan is three. And we are going through potty training right now. Oh, that sounds like yes. a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Oh, I bet you're right, though. Those ages, that all of them, even the high schoolers, like they just conversations are fun. It is very interesting, for sure. <laughs> and the conversations between them, between, you know, the 16-year-old oh, and yeah. the five-year-old are very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so sweet. Well, I thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today. I learned a lot from you, and I'm so excited just to share more information about you. And I hope anyone listening connects with Megan, because I think she'd be a great resource. So thank you. Thank you so much. It was This was great being on. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Megan as much as I did. If you are interested in the great work she is doing or want some more information about becoming a certified lactation consultant, I probably didn't say that right, but her initials are very important. Please connect with her in the links in the show notes. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.